0: hello everyone welcome to our inspiring thoughts podcast today we're very lucky to have kelly swingler with us uh, so welcome on board kelly
1: thank you very much thank you for inviting me um, i wanted to question whether you said the word lucky i mean it may be unlucky if people are so sick of hearing of me but i'm very grateful for the invite thank
0: you yeah oh we'll be lucky i'm very lucky to have you on board so and i know we're going to have some good fun so i know that already I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, we definitely. No, I, I guarantee that. I guarantee okay. that. With the book, book of us. So um, Kelly, really lucky to have you on board. So um, known as the change maker. So yeah. from that perspective, so really, really appreciate it. So before we dive into um, what we sent to Kelly before, she's had seven questions to prepare today. So we really kind of dive into her experience uh, and understanding. But Kelly, would you mind just sharing with our audience your career history, what you've been up to to get where you are today?
1: Oh, how long have we got? Um, I think I, so my, I have been, I know I only look 21, right? And now I only look 21. Uh, but I have been in kind of the HR and people space now for 25 years, which for me still is like, like 25 years is still like 1995 or something, mm-hmm. right? Like 1990, I still think 25 years goes like 1990. Um, it's not but uh yeah so i have been in the hr and people space for about 25 years so i started my career in retail i was with the john lewis partnership and did some time on the shop floor you had kind of had to do your i was part, joined as part of a management training scheme and so you kind of have to do so long on the shop floor before you can be, begin to specialize in whatever specialism you want to go into and, and hr really was was the thing for me I genuinely and still want to absolutely change the world of work. I was sick and tired of, I suppose, what I called at the time the kind of Monday to Friday dying syndrome that I saw so many of my kind of friends and family going to. I couldn't even go to the hairdresser's without the person in the chair next to me moaning about their boss or their work or their parents or something. It was like, right, this has to change. So that was kind of really what what drove me. But I think then as I went in and, and I will say over the years, over those 25 years, I have worked in in departments and teams that have been called personnel, staff and training, uh, staff and development, HR, people and change, people and culture. Like I've been in all of them. And even though we've called it lots of different things over the 25 years, fundamentally for me, it's still all about the people. It's about that business, business and people connection. How do the people, you know, how are the people looked after? How do they deliver the business strategy? And then from a business strategy perspective, how do we look after the people and how do we do what it is that we want to do? So that was it for me. But I recognised actually very early on that within this kind of Monday to Friday dying syndrome that I wanted to stop when I went into HR, it was just actually kind of a load of rubbish and it was very kind of policy driven and i wasn't yeah. surprised that people were kind of moaning about everything yeah. so kind of 2002 really i i started to really kind of talk about and and focus on bringing personalization into the workplace the kind of individualism yeah. in the workplace it's kind of a big focus for me in 2002 2008 I scrapped annual performance appraisals and I kind of got yeah. to the point they were a complete waste of time complete waste of money awful process yeah. not adding any value so I scrapped those in 2008 2011 I kind of started burning handbooks and ripping up policies and basically saying these are all awful yeah um so kind of started to do a lot of that then I hit burnout really badly in 2013 um first burnout nearly uh made me really really ill I still live with three serious health conditions um the second quite literally nearly killed me but I still remained committed to to changing the world of work and doing things differently and putting people first and so I then started my own people and change consultancy but I went into that with a focus of we were going to be a very different consultancy some of the consultants that I had worked with throughout my corporate career and I'm sure you will be familiar with these yeah. Stephen, is they go in create problems and then charge you a load of money to kind of fix what it is that they've broken I was like we're not doing that, right we're going to be an ethical consultancy and started to make loads of money was loving the work that I was doing but then got a phone call um that basically said that my replacement had died in her sleep whilst away at a leadership residential um I then got a phone call a couple of days later and again for those of you that have either been exited or know people that have been exited through kind of comp agreements or variety of different things in your careers you will know really that when people leave under a cloud we go they go into a bit more of like Voldemort territory right (laughs) they shall not be named like we never talk about them again and I had experienced that in this particular organisation where I'd got to burnout out with, with any of the other previous yeah. HRDs when I joined. And after I found out that my replacement had died, I got a phone call kind of th- two or three days later um, to say that I had not been the first HR director to become seriously ill, that actually the three before me yeah. had become really seriously ill within this organisation and that kind of started then, I suppose, a bit of a kind of, I suppose, if you like, a career trajectory for me. Yeah. I, I reached out to the CIPD. I wanted to know what they were doing to support this in HR. If this was five of us within one organisation, there had to have been other people yeah. that were experiencing this same thing. The CIPD told me to just contact my EAP, so my employee assistance provider. I was like I'm self employed and that's not good enough. Yes. Yeah. And so really, I suppose that's where I started to create a lot of this change for HR. I wanted HR to become happy, healthy, high-performing. Yeah. I wanted to eliminate burnout. And I recognised that if we could ensure that HR are happy, healthy and high-performing, ultimately we can change the world of work yeah. because HR people then have more boundaries. They're seen more as the experts. They can create more change with their leadership teams and ultimately change the work, the world of work for, for everybody else. Yeah. And 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 I suppose that's it for me so yeah I started because I wanted to stop the Monday to Friday dying quite literally almost died as a result of my corporate career and then I've kind of spent the last 10 years doing what I can to I suppose you know it is I I, I just want happy healthy places to work and I recognize that that starts with people um through people but I will absolutely not allow another HR professional to experience the level of illness and toxicity that I did and so I'm I'm on a mission to ensure that HR are looked after in whatever possible way that that looks
0: like. Yeah. And um, I really appreciate kind of your open and honesty there because I'm in full agreement. So um my background of being in banking for 26 years and then having my own company and now working with organizations for through cultural transformation. Yeah i feel sorry for and i don't mean it patronizing i feel sorry for hr colleagues because they are piggy in the middle sometimes to, they yeah. they didn't come into the job to fight fires nope. they come in to coach develop strategize those so yeah. i'm definitely on the kind of that brave heart bandwagon Yay. of actually we need to get these people doing the jobs that they've trained to do yeah. um, and worked with and i'd love the bit at the beginning where you said about people and strategy working okay. together yes yeah. it has to be you, you can't drive an organisation without your people from that right. perspective. Um, and it's not just about engage, engagement, et cetera. If we put our commercial lens on, it's about productivity. Those kind of things to drive an organisation forward. So um, hallelujah. I'm in total agreement uh, with you, Kelly. Thanks. That makes sense. Yeah, really good. So um, let's dive into the question. So um, okay. I, I looked at kind of thinking, I don't know why, but I thought 2025 sounds far away. And I thought, what's HR going to look like in 2025? And I suddenly realised we're near the end of 2023. It's only a year yep. or so away, yes, roughly. Yeah, 15
1: months. Just yeah, <laughs> just to have a look at it. So okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> I just thought, what, what do you think HR is going to look like in a couple of years' time? What do you think in 2025 HR will look like from your perspective?
1: Well, when you sent these through, because so I replied, didn't I? I was like, I love these questions. Like, yeah. Well, and then with this particular one, I was like, oh, I've going to sound like a politician as I answer it, because I don't really think I can give. like a really kind of direct answer and 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 kind of this is this is the reason why I think as we said we've only got 15 months right what can we literally do in 15 months but I think we've got a lot to do now to actually define what the role of HR is today Good. in order to then say what does it need to look like 15 months from now Because I still think we have this huge disconnect, you know, for, as I said, I've worked in the same department, right? The the same same function under lots of different names, lots of different guises over the last few years or over the last 25 years. You'll see lots of HR magazines, HR podcasts, HR organisations, HR accrediting bodies that are all saying this is the role of H.R., this is the role of H.R., this is the role of H.R. And H.R. are saying we're drowning underneath all of this. Yeah. We disconnect, I think, between what business leaders, organisation leaders think the role of H.R. is versus what H.R. think the role of H.R. is. Yeah. And even last week, you know, I saw there was an H.R. magazine that had put a post out on LinkedIn that was talking about ergonomics right and yeah. HR's role in all in ergonomics and I thought when did HR suddenly re- be responsible for ergonomic chairs in the workplace right sure. yeah, good. when did that like be like not become a health and safety thing right if we just yeah, go our health and safety officers and yeah. said right HR's now responsible for chairs yes yeah. and so I see all of these you know, organisations, magazines, companies, accrediting bodies, all saying this is HR's responsibility. This yes. is HR responsibility. And I see the HR professionals, the HR practitioners going, we haven't got time. I haven't got the capacity. I haven't got the resources. Yeah. I haven't got the money. I haven't got anything in order to be able to yeah. do. That. And actually, this isn't what I signed up for. You know, I didn't go into HR yeah. to say, Stephen, do you need an ergonomic chair in your in your office? Right. That wasn't. Yes. Yeah. But, if we're then all of a sudden saying that's nothing to do with health and safety and that's under well-being.
2: Yeah.
1: But where's the manager's role and responsibility? Good. Where's the leader's role yeah. and responsibility? How do we define HR? And I do think yeah. it has evolved from personnel 25 years ago. It yeah. still was very much kind of hand-holding. you know, go and see HR if you need a bit of a cry.
2: Yeah.
1: And I genuinely believe and I know this through my own experience and through a lot of you know what a lot of my kind of peers and colleagues are doing in HR. They're doing amazing things
2: yeah.
1: and genuinely changing the world of work and looking yeah. at strategy and looking at, you know, the business objectives and how HR can align to that. And how looking after people, yeah. putting people first will create. Yeah. Great success for for organisations. There's lots of statistics out there, you know, that will say people first organisations massively outperform those that don't put people first. You've got the financial business case, the productivity business case. But I just think more and more, we just seem to be dumping anything that's even remotely people related on HR. And so I think there is a, a kind of defining moment that needs to happen now. Yeah says what is hr what's working what's not what needs to sit with hr what doesn't do we need to expand the remit of hr or contract it and actually what do we need to give back to managers and leaders for them to do as part of their people responsibility and then we start to say okay from 2025 this is what we need it to look like but i do think there is you know we do need to be looking around you know more data more analytics more automation more systems more processes to allow hr to then be more strategic i believe and more people focused but i think we've got to make sure that we've got a lot of the basics and foundations first and we need to connect the understanding between hr and the rest of the people in the organization yeah. that says this is our role this is what we do do this is what we don't do and yeah. if there's a gap because there's things falling off the cliff yeah. where does that go to or is there a separate team that picks up yeah. of those things so so yeah i got really excited about the questions and was then like that one's not that straightforward because we don't know what it I, I think we've lost what it is now
0: Correct. And and do you know what? I think it's brilliant because I totally agree with you on that point. So um, me coming from a leadership background, so I'm not a HR background uh, predominantly. It was the bit of if there was a people problem, put it in HR so I could get on with sales and that in the banking industry, etc. But working for so many organisations over the last five years, it's really opened my eyes up about leaders take the paycheck it's not just for the good times, it's for people. So I think there's a really lovely bit there. And um, recently I worked to a really good organisation where we really looked at their HR colleagues role profiles, yeah. we engage in senior, senior leadership. We've made it broader and the roles we've come out with is unique to them and that organisation, but that's it's so perfect true. for them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's brilliant to set people up. I think we've got to get the basics right, because otherwise it is more stuff being thrown in. Mm-hmm. That people go, what well, am I HR? Do, am I well being? Am I ergonomic chairs? What yeah, what do I do? Yeah. Um, so I think that's a, a, you know a brilliant answer. If that was a family fortunes, that'd be like a big ping at the top. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So I think, but I think sometimes we overcomplicate things, don't we? It's just the basic. Get some good basics right. That will set people up to do a really good job.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Instead of just piling all the rest of it on. Yeah, let's. I think we do. We do. Like, let's go back to basics. Let's define what it is. Yeah if that's what we want or not and, and then shape it and, and similarly to you you know when I work with HR teams or, um, or or HR leaders that's my first like what does HR need to look like here right who are you who are you not what are you here to do what are you not here to do yeah. let's define your role communicate your role get some feedback from the business right what's yeah. causing the disconnect how do we improve all of those things yeah. and then start to deliver that yeah, Based on yeah. what is needed for that particular yeah. organization. Yeah, totally. Because
0: because we also get to see, um, I get to see a conflict between trade unions, HR colleagues, etc. Because there's a disconnect. Because the trade union colleagues would think the HR colleagues are responsible for one thing. The whole, yeah. HR colleagues go, "Well, that's not my." So it causes yeah. even more chaos when it doesn't yeah. actually have to be, uh, from that perspective. Right. Um. So yeah. So I totally totally agree with you. So we're getting on well so far, Kelly. I told you, you it'd be good, <laughs> good today, didn't I? I said um, So going forward, then, what skills? Let's say we got the job profiles right for colleagues, yeah. so in HR, yeah. what skills do you think they would need going forward? What skills would be really need to be heightened in a HR role?
1: I mean, I think we definitely need to be looking. I am going to say communication, but in a in a really kind of broad sense. But I think more so than that, we need to be kind of looking at active listening. Yeah. I active listening first. Then I do think it is a a kind of it is a coaching role. I think again sometimes because I think of of so much of the workload, so much of the stress, so much of the imbalance, so much of the need to just kind of want to give solutions all of the time. Sometimes again another disconnect is when if you as a manager come to have a conversation with me, I go sh- and I go straight into right, Stephen, this is what the policy says. Yes. you need This, 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 and you're like, hang on a minute. Like I, I, I don't need to you to kind of yeah. you know spit the policy at me, right? I'm more than capable of leaving. Like, how do I yeah this situation? And I would like to see HR to be able to firstly pause. If you come to me, yeah. I would really like the first question, to, like, what do you need in this instance? Yeah. Do you want a solution or do you just need me to listen? Yeah. And then I think, do we want advice? Do you want advice yeah. as a manager? Do we go into a coaching role? Am yeah. I in a mentoring role? Do you need a bit more hand-holding? Do we need yeah. to come through it step by step? So I think if we could learn to pause yeah. through our active listening, understand what it is that this person in front of us is wanting, right? What our customers want yeah. in this instance from us. And then it is whatever, yeah. excuse me, whatever the outcome of that needs to look like. We need to get better, at, as I said, kind of data. We need to get better at setting data, you know, the the data set that we want. We need to get better at understanding the data, using that data. And I think also then using not jargon. I don't want to see any more jargon or acronyms between any organisation at all. But I do think we need to get better at speaking the business language. Yeah. I'd like to see a bit more kind of influencing our ability to influence more from the from really from the kind of place of yeah. I am the people expert, not from yes. just sat here as HR and I'm going to wait for you to tell me what to do.
0: Yeah, good.
1: But I want more, almost more kind of presence, impact, influence yeah. from the confidence level of I am the people expert. Right. This yeah. is what you're paying me to do. Yeah. Um, And then again, it might be different depending on the organisation. You know, do we want more HR generalists in terms of that skill set? Do we want more specialists? What's right for the business? What isn't? Do we want more kind of learning development? Do we want more talent? Do we want more data and systems? You know, what is it that we want? And that might, again, depend on what any particular organisation needs. But I'd start with active listening, almost that kind of coaching, kind of confidential friend, type role yeah. and then i would love to see more influence more kind of impact more presence and this positioning yeah. as people experts within the organization i don't yeah. know if that necessarily answers that question either but, but, the,
0: the, the best I, bit i saw is when you said about the you know the people expert i saw you really move forward then of like this this is what we need to be uh, and i and did. i think i think that is that bit about being proud of and on the front foot I would definitely see about analytics to mm-hmm. influence the business rather than yeah. b- being done to their pushing forward with the business, or helping shape the business. And I think the other bit for me is around that coaching part. Yeah. Um, when I trained to, uh, on my executive coach and I did my diploma, I thought I was a good coach. Yeah. Then I went on my course for 12 months and I realised oh, I was rubbish well, as a yeah. coach. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. It was feedback. It was meant, I re- whereas actually really understanding how to coach mm-hmm. people was really life changing for me. Because then people coming up with their yeah. own ideas, responsibility. You could see them go, oh, yeah, I can do this yeah. rather than being done to yeah. and spoon fed. So I think there's a, there's a good bit about broader, but also with the front foot. Um, and I loved the bit about the skills about active listening. because it goes back to what does that colleague need not just spurting policy at them because i remember when i used to go through and speak to hr colleagues they'd spurt policy but i'd go i I can get that but i don't understand this people issue stuff could you help me out with it so i I think spot on i
1: do think some of that does come from just the absolute overwhelm you know and if you're if you're i'm going to say interrupted and i mean it in the nicest possible sense But if you're constantly, you know, you're trying to get done what it is that you need to do, that is the business priority, right? And you've got phone calls, emails, people knocking on the door, people coming in, Slack messages, you know, instant messages like help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. It can just be easier. Like, here's the policy, right? Here's the policy, here's the policy, here's the policy. And so some of that, I think, comes from from that remit. And, And again, I'm not saying that it's any one person's or any one business, yes. organization, you know, any one team's fault, but it's just part of, of what has been created um, in terms of that. And I also, I would like to, I think, see around the data, and this, I think, comes back to the kind of definition of the HR role, yeah. but really understanding what it is that is HR data and what it is that is organisational level data. Good. Yeah. So, Like I was responsible under my remit, like I was responsible for sickness absence data. I was responsible for the recruitment data, time to hire data, cost to hire data. In a lot of those instances, the sickness wasn't happening within my teams. The sickness was happening from a lot of the other organisations. And for me to be able to say, actually, the sickness is really high in this particular department because of the way people are being managed, or yeah. because of stress that's going on like really sometimes they, they didn't want to hear that it was just right HR. you're now responsible for reducing sickness absence and it's like well yeah. that team have got to take some responsibility and i also think yes. when we recruitment data if i've lined everything up got all of the dates in the diary and then recruiting managers are like well actually Kel, i'm cancelling all of those interviews today because i haven't got time yeah like I, I can be i can hold the data yes. but what needs to change again? That doesn't always fall to me, and if you haven't yeah. got the influence, yes, to be able to make those changes across the organization, you're just recording data for the sake of recording data. Yeah. And I yeah. think we're looking at data, there needs to be something actionable as a result of it that yes. is fundamentally going to create that change.
0: Yeah, spot on. And I think I really like that point about you can just have a plethora of data, but what actions are you going to do to make a difference? What do you want to change or dials? Uh, And I remember seeing so many people before just swamped in data. And then what would happen is people would use different parts of data to catch them out, not to help them. They suddenly bring out a new data. You go, well, well, where's that come from? How are we helping people? And I, I just also what just resonated with me. A lot of people get confused about the HR role that it's just one Role, but it's a multifaceted, different bits of specialism, isn't it, within yeah. that HR role? So yeah. it could be, it could be talent, it could be recruitment, it could be policy, it could be. But people confuse it sometimes. Going, we just want a HR, but what is it you actually need? Yeah, that's a real key, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it can be tens of different kind of functions, tens of different specialisms, and and I actually put a post out on LinkedIn last week to say you know, talk about all of the kind of challenges and and some of the the people issues that I had faced within, you know, within a number of my organisations that, you know, were all completely separate to the role that I was doing within HR. You know, I've had, you know, a, a guy waiting in the car park for me to show me all of the shotguns after threatening to shoot me in a meeting. I've been dealing with you know death in service i've been dealing with you know employees that have been at it in storage cupboards yeah. um you know pregnancy loss uh suicide um, domestic abuse domestic violence debt all of these things and none of those things are a quick five minute conversation yes yeah. i wasn't i am now i've done a number of different qualifications since leaving and i've qualified in you know psychotherapy and hypnotherapy to understand more yeah. of the kind of stress side that i was looking at yeah. But as an HR leader, as an HR manager, as an HR director, I was not a qualified counsellor. Yeah. To deal with some of those issues that are presented with you, and I think sometimes, you know, somebody said to their manager, can I talk to you about, and they're, oh, like, I don't want to say the thing, I don't want to listen, go to HR. If you've got back to back of all of those really deep issue. you can't just oh you know i'm sorry two minute conversation here's the ap number off you go yeah some people need time and solutions in that moment and that's all you know kind of if you like outside of the policy the processes the systems the procedures the strategy outside all of that stuff and a lot of that remains unhidden as well
0: yeah no, absolutely spot on, absolutely spot on. So if we went forward, let's say we're in 2025 now, we've got those skills, yeah. we've got the role profiles, we know yeah. exactly what we're being lined up for. If an organisation did that right from today, what benefits do you think they would see or clients would see in 2025? What do you think they'd see from their HR team?
1: Oh, I mean, we defi- I think we definitely see a huge intake in, uh, a huge uptake in terms of what we would class as communication I think we see a lot more joined up thinking. I think we would be starting to see happier, healthier colleagues. Right. Whether that's across the organisation, leaders, managers, the HR teams themselves. I think we would start to be understanding more what our business and people priorities are. Um, And again, I think we kind of need to step back again. What I'm seeing and, you know, a lot of the stats around burnout, over the last few years have, have been quite shocking. You know, there, there's been reports that 77% of execs are, are at the point of burnout, um, depending on which kind of bit you look at, between 77 and 98% of HR have, have experienced burnout. Yeah. These are, these are kind of really big numbers. And I think when we're in that heightened stress, we are just in that constant fight or flight mode, right? We yeah. can't be creative, innovative, problem solvers, decision yeah. makers. We're literally just moving from crisis to crisis to crisis to yeah. crisis, just in that kind of, co- we on that constant hamster wheel. And I think if we could all just kind of stop and take a, a, a you know, a kind of collective yeah. breath, Again, I've, you know, I've kind of done a post about that this week, but if we could pause and take this collective breath, Really understand what our priorities are, and then all work together as business leaders to ensure that it's delivered for the good of the business, for the good of the people across the yeah. organization. I think we see a huge shift i'd really love i mean if we could do it like now yeah. i'd love it but i'd love to see this divide between h r and the business just gone right yeah, we' together we're all focused on the people. Yeah. And so I think if that if that alone were the one benefit that we would see from a bit more kind of joint thinking, I think we'd have to see more accountability and more responsibility from managers. I think see, you know, better relationships. I think we'd see improved communication. I think with the uh, you know, I I genuinely think some of those benefits could be endless. Yes. We just all agreed that we're all in it together. There is no kind of us type attitude.
0: And, and the um the particular part I really like there is all of us are in it together. We're all a team yeah. to drive together. It's not different departments and different yeah. issues or different. Um, and it's also not you're the firefighting team. Dig me out of a hole. Yeah. That's not the team of HR. The team of HR is actually we're all driving and moving together. Um, and I just think that that's a, it's an engine room, isn't it? The HR is an engine room for catalyst and growth and innovation as well uh, to really bring those people policies alive and also strategy from that perspective
2: yeah. Yeah. so i think
0: it's a complementary and i think there was a recent stat wasn't there i think it was only like if, if i'm right 30 or 33 percent of hr directors on the board of organizations so if there was a shift there there'd be a different shift as well wouldn't it to actually have a real people function on yeah. the boards would be a, a big big shift
1: huge and again i don't understand how you can be yeah, you know, One of one of my one to one coaching clients at the moment, she's she is the chief HR officer, but she's the only C-suite person that is not on the board. And it just makes no sense. You've got the CEO, yes. the CFO, the CTO yeah. and the COO. Yeah. all All are the board and she sat completely different. I do not understand how as an organisation you can be talking about operations. Yes. Money it or anything else and not have people and not have yeah. people in that yeah. conversation. Like for me it is just the most bizarre setup yes. ever
0: yeah yeah uh, if there was like a, a handshake coming across the screen now kelly there would be a handshake of agreement uh, <laughs> no, on that no. definitely there would be yeah i think totally, you just sit back and go really we haven't got people on the board to kind of
1: it's just ludicrous like how yeah. can you genuinely say how much anything is going to cost without looking at the people how yeah. can you say this is what we need our operations to look like without knowing if you've got the right people with the right skills yes. and the right jobs at the right time how can you understand the systems and processes that you need until you understand the people yeah. i just genuinely do not understand how you how any boards any boards can function
2: yeah
1: and not have the people person like the yeah. senior people person in those conversations i just yeah. i just can all of them will say well you know we're looking out for bit and you think well you're not because it's yes. coming out to me that yeah. says this is what we've decided and this is now what we need your help with it's like yeah. well, this is a decision that we've made yeah. and then it's Okay, so can you tell me how this is going to influence? Well, we didn't we didn't get that far. Right, yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Why you didn't get that far? Because you didn't have people at the table.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 the fascinating part about the the people at the table to have the clear discussion and honest and frank discussion, isn't it? Uh, and, and the big thing for me is it's probably not a bugbear, but it's just a real passion of mine with organisations. I'd like to see if it's led from the top down you see a real good cultural shift and Huge. people going do you know what words and actions and behavior is beautiful we can see yeah. that happening yeah. when it's people are done to and they say you need to do this and they go but you're not yeah for example it could be coaching it could be one-to-ones except you're not doing it that's where it just breaks apart even more doesn't it because words and actions really do different
1: Totally. And again, you know, on that point, I've I've seen it multiple, multiple times. When the top team are focused on the people within the organization, HR within that organization is really highly valued, has the yeah. seat at the table at the table. People form part of every conversation. People are usually the first topic of conversation when yes. it comes to meetings. The performance of that business is really high, the well being is great. You know, people are loving being there. But if it doesn't start at the top, the HR function is usually really undervalued, underpaid, under-resourced and not cared about. You've got employment tribunal claims, you've got poor culture, you've got lack of development, lack of growth, people are moaning, people are just there because they've got bills to pay. And I know probably all love to be sipping cocktails on a beach somewhere instead of having to work. But actually working somewhere really lovely and working somewhere that's really not. Is a huge difference, and yes. if you have only got people that are almost kind of counting down the the days until they can leave your organisation, yeah. it's, you, it's clearly obvious that you don't care about them. Then yes. you know no HR team in the world can fix that for you. It has no. to change at the top
0: yeah no super, super. That's, a, that's like a round of applause kelly there i think that's a Thanks. really good yeah really really good point on that bit so um with earlier we said about hr colleagues then going forward with, um upskill their oh. coaching skills their listening yeah, skills yeah. are there any other because you know majority of hr colleagues have got cipd qualifications etc are there any other qualifications you think hr colleague could be equipped for going forward
1: yeah, I mean again, I would like to see a huge shift in, in terms of the CIPD qualifications that are delivered. fundamentally, I don't think that qualification gives you what you need to be a practicing HR professional. There's lots about policy, there's lots about processes, there's lots about procedures, there's lots about kind of employment law. We know employment yeah. law can change twice a year. And and really, as we you know, as you said, you know, as a manager, you can walk into HR and go, I don't need you just about the policy at me, right? I can yeah. read I understand the policy yeah and i think we need and again probably more of what we've always deemed to be the softer skills yeah um in terms of business and they're not they're vital skills but when we look yeah. at like empathy compassion coaching questioning influence impact um all of those things the active listening um i think we need much more of of the of the vital skills that until yes. now soft skills within hr yeah. rather yeah. than just the policy stuff yeah the employment law is absolutely important we need to ensure yeah. that we are you know treating people in line with the law ideally over and above i don't want to yeah. just well employment law says I only need to pay you minimum wage and therefore i'm only going to pay you minimum yeah. wage yeah. i think again we've got to be looking at people But I think we just need—I'd like to see it less about policy and more about the skills that enable us to build relationships. Yeah, to have quality conversations and to really be able to to make that impact.
0: Yeah, and and it's um, to echo that as well. So I would definitely see where I see HR colleagues thrive. Is that they've got those coaching skills or coaching qualifications? Um, I've really seen, especially with the people where we've trained as well through mediation skills, using yeah. different different words and techniques yeah. to help those situations. It's given people confidence. So, um, and I like the bit there of vital skills, not just soft skills. These are vital skills yeah. to really elevate performance, yeah, uh, and also to share with colleagues that the ownership shift. Whereas what you do see is. The if people haven't got those skills they then take the problem on their shoulders yeah. and actually that leader goes great I- i'm done it's you and that hr colleague goes home can't sleep working long yeah. hours the yeah. shift has changed and that's where i think that that definitely coaching mediation skills push the shift back to that colleague that makes totally. sense. Yeah. Totally. Spot on. yeah so where do you um get your passion from uh, and i'm not talking from a rude sense there Kelly but where where do you get your passion from for HR and from that point of view
1: I think I've just I, I think since you know since I was born I think my parents would say exactly the same thing I just have this I'm I'm pa- I'm just I'm passionate about people I'm I'm yeah. passionate yeah. about what makes us tick um you know the psychology behind why some of us do things that, that you know that, that others don't yeah. why we think yeah. differently yeah. act differently what causes us to do all of those things and I suppose through that understanding looking at it in the organizational you know looking at it through that organizational lens is is the bit for me really you know why do so many of us hate going to work why do you know why do we have so many managers that can't manage and leaders that can't lead Uh, I, i genuinely do not believe that any person wakes up in the morning and he's just like do you know what i'm just going to do a really crap job today i don't believe anybody does that
2: yeah
1: but I, what are the driving forces behind that yeah. and i think if we can understand that you know create psychologically safe workplaces have the conversations recognize that you know it, 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 it we say don't you know money makes the world go around it's people. Yeah. You know, I've I've done volunteering in Uganda in some of the poorest parts of Uganda in stuff, you know, in in places that they wouldn't even show on TV programs like Children in Need or Comic Relief, right? This is that sits way back from that that you would never see, and yet I have seen some of the most happy, joyful, positive, optimistic, wonderful people in the entire world have nothing, and for me, like what what can drive that positivity for you what drives that where does the level of gratitude come from um you know I I think for me I'm passionate about people yeah and I want people to be able to be their best do their best be rewarded in the best possible way understand what makes us tick what causes us issues how do we overcome challenges um and I think it's it's just that and I think you know they're probably slightly slightly less passionate side of that my mum was actually a, a senior conciliator for ACAS um, and I remember her doing her CIPD qualification many many moons ago but as a result of that she used to get the, the kind of um management the uh, people management magazine that used to come through and I just remember you know kind of sitting there looking at the salaries for some of the jobs and like yeah I could do that and yeah so and I think so I think you know my kind of passion for people Combined with that, I mean, initially I'd wanted to go into law and then realised that actually the, the legal system is probably even more broken than HR. So I thought i probably had more more chance of, of fixing HR yeah. than I did, than I did anything in the legal system whatsoever.
0: But the the um, bit now I really just love that and I could see with your. So the, the, the echo point for me is I just the same to you is. I I genuinely believe people do not get out of bed in the morning to go today. I'm going to be rubbish and I'm going to upset people. I don't think. I don't think. But there's that skills. How can we help people? How can we ever let them have a voice to say? Do you know what? I need some help because that's what a human being is. um, From my point of view, that we all go through different things in our lives that we need some help or support. But we need some good training. We need to really set people up to win. Uh, And I remember when I was in the bank, I'd gone from being an individual in the bank to then managing the team. Overnight, I'd gone to managing. 10 people and i was like whoa what do i do now yeah. this is this is a bit. and if, if you think i think um, the oecd said recently there's 2.4 million uh, untrained managers in the uk every single year so there's if we could get let's just get all our ducks in a row it would be yeah. a nicer place uh, and i think the other bit about gratitude and happiness mm. you know going back to where you said in uganda if that can be created in environments and I'm not saying people go around with jazz hands going oh that because that's fake but actually people just getting out going do you know what? that's really good and I'm rewarded and respected it would be a nicer place wouldn't it yeah
1: absolutely so I, absolutely, yeah for sure
0: so the last part um for us to talk about today is now I know you've recently been on a retreat so, oh, I have. Um, from that point of view but what's your self-development for 2023 what's, what's Kelly working on
1: This year for me, really, it it really was about like, how do I go inwards more? And I think that's that was my kind of intention for for my retreat. I mean, I I spend a ridiculous amount on of kind of time, energy and money on my personal development every year. I think probably in the kind of 10 years since I left corporate, I've spent over three, three hundred thousand pounds on my own kind of coaching and training and development and stuff. Um, But I think what I realised kind of going into this year I've done a lot of the external stuff you know I've trained as I qualified and I'd trained and qualified as, as an executive coach whilst I was in corporate I'd done a lot of qualifications whilst I was in corporate from coming out of that I think I a lot of the training and development and qualifications that I was doing were about you know how can I get more skills to be a better coach a better leader a better business owner a better business yeah. manager do, do all of this stuff but I think this year for me, and I have still spent money on courses and development. I think, you know, that's that's kind of one of my hobbies. But it really this year for me has been about like, who am I internally? Yeah. How can I bring more of that out Um, in order to kind of do that? So I think the self-development, I don't, I don't know really what the word for it is other than retreat. I think of, you know, that really kind of inward looking yeah. stuff as opposed to, you know, I need that. Certificate or that qualification or or any that diploma, which is what I've been doing a lot over over recent years. And I got a lot of that on on this year's retreat. So yeah, I was in um, Kerala in South India for uh, nearly three weeks. Yeah, I've had retreat. I've had um uh, I've I've had some of the most weird, wonderful, and bizarre kind of treatments and therapies and massages. I've had oil everywhere, and I mean everywhere. Um, I've eaten some of the most weird and wonderful foods ever, some that I would never, ever eat again. Yeah. Um, but I've done a lot of kind of inward reflection, inward looking, a yeah. lot of time on my own, a lot of reflection. Um, and I think you know, I'm, I've definitely I've, I've definitely been a lot calmer this year.
2: Good.
1: Um, I have actually <laughs> I've actually been a lot slower this year and I've yeah. been a lot quieter this year. And I know I'm still, you know, yeah. Still- big personality I still have quite a big energy but this is actually the calmer quieter version yeah uh, based on some of the reflection and, and stuff that I've done yeah. this year so yeah. yeah
0: but isn't it great not just to go over for a qualification it's about inwardly totally. feeling um, yeah. and that, that's a bit I've noticed that probably similar echo to you, over the last year I felt actually really good about things that we've done and learned for myself and challenged myself so if you took like yeah. comfort zone it's just increasing my new comfort zone but yeah reflecting more listening more going oh actually what you know what works or doesn't work to, to do mm-hmm. some good self-reflection yeah. rather than and I was probably similar to you before that if you went back quite a few years as the qualification was the important thing not the learning yeah. Whereas now for me, like you, it's the learning super important to then yeah. relay. And if people go, oh, do you know what? They're a genuinely good person. They've got good integrity, good values. They can see it shining yeah. rather than you're just a qualification chaser, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And I and I definitely have done that. And and again, yeah. I suppose, you know, whether we want to whether it's fear, whether it was, you know, kind of imposter syndrome, whether it was whatever. But I definitely yeah. Had that and it and it was and I think some of that was driven within corporate. You know, and when I came out of corporate, um, I actually I started a PhD, and it was a, a PhD in organisational change and development. And and as part of the research, I started it. I started off with the masters, and then I could go on to do the PhD kind of once I've got the masters. Yeah. And really, what I wanted to kind of focus on was the courage of leaders during times of change. That's what I wanted to kind of focus all of my research on because yeah. again, internally and externally. I would see us spend billions of pounds a year, you know, on change programs and wanting to implement change and bringing in consultants to do change, and everything was about change, 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 change. Yeah. change. But ultimately, when it came to pressing the button and and doing something, oh no, I don't, I don't think we're quite ready. Yeah, we need to scale it back. Maybe we need to do, and and so I really started to kind of to kind of focus on that and. And I think actually what I realised was the reason I was pushing myself so hard, so I stopped it at the Masters, and I may go back to the PhD side of it at some point, but I recognised I was doing it, not because I wanted to do it, not because I felt that I needed to, but because I felt that that would position me as the expert and somehow show to the world I was finally good enough. Yeah, yeah. what I recognized was, even if I got that PhD, I still wouldn't feel good enough because I hadn't done that part of work. So actually, I'd have probably yeah. gone on to another PhD.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Something else, you know. I'd be like 80 with five PhDs yeah. under my belt or something like, oh look at <laughs> yeah. me, you no know, PhD, PhD, yeah. PhD. And I was like, actually that's that's not what it's about. And yeah, but there was one organization when I first started, there a German organization. They would only work with coaches who had a doctorate and I thought you oh, know really? I'm going to show you that I'm good enough yeah. and again the shifts that began to change for me was I don't need to work with you as yeah. a client because if you're only going to work with me because I've got those letters after my name and take you know not take anything else into account, you're not my kind well, of client you know that great. it was a huge learning yeah um and so yeah I think even if I had yeah. done the PhD I would still have wanted to do something else at, at the end of it so yeah. I think it's it's there I yeah. can pick it up again if I choose to at some point I'm not saying it's gone forever yeah but I think I just realized that I was in a really good place with my life I didn't need the stress I didn't yes. need the pressure I don't need the letters to prove that I'm good enough because I recognize yeah. I am yeah. uh, and that was that was the, probably the biggest learning for me in my entire
0: yeah. life but isn't it wonderful to go through that learning and then also I love the bit there with the client or actually you know we can say no to business and have your own integrity and be proud of who you are and the business yeah. you take and that's the same with me and that the my organization is we want to work with people who are like-minded people that have the same value similar values to us and yeah. ethics and the, we're not going to go and work for organizations that do not mirror what we try to do because a there'll be conflict something will happen for that yeah. point of view brand damage and all that kind of yeah. bit and, and also you know you can say no and that just makes you feel good of no we are right in what we're doing yeah absolutely that point yeah, yeah. So, so kelly how can people get hold of the wonderful kelly to speak to her or what's the best way to for kind of our uh, listeners to-
1: definitely linkedin um you know whether it's kind of direct message respond on one of the posts. Yeah. um take a look at you know t- take a look at the website uh i've got resources podcasts all sorts of, of different stuff on there um and if all else fails drop me an email uh yeah kelly, yeah, kelly at Kellyswinkler.com. but i'm most active um on linkedin
0: yeah wonderful so can i just say i think we could talk for a long time I think we on could this subject, we, I think we could have a good a good natter uh, for that minute. Can I just say thank you so much for joining the podcast today? So really, really appreciate it. But um, Kelly, thank you so much for being our guest, uh, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the week.
1: Thank you, and to you, and again, thanks very much for the for the invitation. It's been really lovely to chat to you.
0: No, thank
2: you, Kelly.